Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Watching me on the live webcast here. I think I just killed uh, two out of three on the fly. 66.2 thirds percentage. Not bad. I just went for the attack right here. If you're not watching me on the live webcast, you have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But I did go with the rolled up paper trying to attack a couple of flies. Who cares? More importantly, it's the talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic back at you. Beautiful Tuesday here. 58 minutes and 12 seconds. But who's counting? Of sports talk and more. Part of the more. Part of the more. The best part of the more is the music of the talkzone.com. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everybody. Coach and the big dog. We're still waiting for the big dog to check in right now. Temporarily, coach flying solo. Plenty to talk about today, including. Including the opening of the college football practices. How about that? Day one of the college football practice. We do have our first injury of the year, and it's a bit, well, it's sort of a surprise, and it's sort of not. But we'll definitely talk some collegiate football. Day one for the uh, academic institutions of the United States. we got some baseball action to talk about, updates on NFL football. And as we welcome in the big dog here at Chicago Dog with our two baseball teams not doing well, all the Sox are showing a little bit of a heartbeat. You listen to the news reports, the media, the blogs, the sports talk shows. And, I mean, it's all about the Chicago Bears now. Hardly anybody talking about baseball. It's We're, we're still five weeks away from the opening of the season. People are worried about who the backup ranked guard is going to be. Bear fever has hit the city of Chicago. I am worried about that, Coach. I don't see why we can't have a, a little bit of both. Uh, but, luckily... I don't read any sports blogs, zero whatsoever, okay? I don't watch any highlight shows. I don't watch any of these uh, editorial-type television shows. All I watch are either live sports mm-hmm. or uh, or the History Channel, really. Interesting. So, so your, your sports mind is fairly unfiltrated. That, that's, that's the point. Is I mean, I watch a lot of live sports. Thank God yeah. for MLB Network. Yep. So I would much rather watch last night, like the Pirates taking on the Giants, than sit around and watch some dude debate if Lance Lewis truly deserves to start at right guard <laughs> for the Chicago Bears. Honestly, yeah. that's just how I am. Yeah. And, and and when the preseason starts, I will watch every single preseason game. I'm gonna. Uh, I, I will admit I should start reading up on on the Bears a little bit to find uh-huh. out the story of the season, but. I, I, I had to I had to laugh a little bit when you brought up like for example Lance Lewis and who's going to play the right guard because I particularly when I'm driving you know I listen to music sometimes but I do plug into the sports talk a lot and you can get so lost so enveloped into the conversation about the, you know for the Bears the right guard and the left guard and who the backups say and you listen to it enough it takes on a life of its own big dog and you have to like get out of the car take a deep breath of fresh air step away and like jeez. We're only, you know, we're five weeks away from the start of the season. We're talking about a freaking backup, who who the sixth defensive back is going to be for the Chicago Bears. You know what I mean? You can get wrapped up in insignificance. And 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 you know what? The honest, the honest to goodness truth about exactly what you're saying is this: (laughs) is there's a fifty-fifty chance, which I mean, it's it's totally up in the air that the story five weeks into this football season uh, is going to be that oh, the the question at right guard is totally answered, and uh, we we never had a problem in the first place. The backup safety was all right. But you know what the issue is? What we, we thought we were totally good at wide receiver, and Lloyd Williams is horrible. You know you know what I'm saying, Coach? And that's, it's it's so funny how we, you know, we make up stories almost. Mm-hmm. And normally we don't even need to. Just, you know, just report on the team. In a way, you're freaking out five weeks before the season. Yeah, there's a lot of talking heads out there uh, making their uh, anal lists or uh, analyst, however you want to call them. Sometimes I think they're more the former than the latter. But, uh, you know, that's how they make their money. they got to do that stuff. And apparently there's enough ratings, enough people out there that are actually listening to a Big Dog. I might, if I write a blog, would you at least read my blog? Do you write one right now? I'm thinking about it. Okay, well, you start writing it. And, you know what, I, I have some time on my hands on the train. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll okay. start doing that, but i got right. to do less texting. 
which is extremely difficult for me. Yeah, I've been, I've been doing more texting of late, courtesy of having teenage sons who no longer answer the cell phone. You know, the communication via text only. That's pretty the way, pretty much the way it is right now. No, I was pretty proud of you when uh, when you you texted me just to say I'm oh, yeah. doing the show tomorrow. Yep. I was I was impressed. So. Yeah, I have, I have become text efficient. I'm even using some of the uh, you know fancy dancy abbreviations. I'm not there yet, big dog. I'm a uh, you know a rookie in training. I'm a backup, but I'm moving up in the texting world. Don't kid yourself. You know the the, the text is a great form of communication. Just for you know, simple facts, hey, you know sometimes you know there's people like you and me that you know you just gotta figure out that you can just say something to them and we should understand what we're talking about yep. when you don't really have time to. Yep. You know, so it's, it's a nice thing. Well, I'm finding it it's a little bit like email. When, you know, email came out and you started to use it a little bit, you found, well, you know what, instead of calling somebody and going through all the mushy-mushy and wasted time of a conversation, you get your point across via email. And I actually enjoyed that. I don't and I try to minimize phone conversation and small talk as much as possible. I'm finding the same thing true about texting now. Sometimes you debate, should I call the person? Eh, much easier to text. You get your message across, and you don't got to waste a lot of time. Yes, exactly, Coach. Thank you very much. Anyone that wants a texting consultation, I can be reached at our email, Mike, two guys at AOL.com. I'll be happy to consult you with uh, texting, psychosis, or any of the other number of services that our department offer. Well, it, it is good to know that 2011, you have now become an efficient texter. Yes. Yeah. So. Thank you very much. And then some new technology will come by. I always pick up things like about two years later. I was on the fax machine about five years ago, just when it was about to be outdated. Well, well, Coach, uh, believe it or not, I'm actually on the cutting edge, and somehow my inability to be able to type my mm-hmm. whole entire life has now helped me out because there's a new form of technology, and it's on my phone called Swipe. Okay, have you heard of this? Swipe? Yes. And I have basically, not. You know, I have a touch touch screen, you know, phone. Mm-hmm. And basically, I on, this, on the keyboard, just with my thumb, I just have to swipe the word. Like I spell S-W-I-P on the keyboard real quick, yep. lift it up, and I just go right to the next word. It is the most amazing technology. What ends up happening is about 95% of the time, the word is right that I, that I do, Okay. And then when it is, I just go right to the next word, and your brain works pretty quick, so it doesn't really take very long Wait, to figure I'm, that I'm, out. I'm a bit confused here. Swipe, you just said you spelled out the whole word, and then okay, you... Okay, yeah, so with, but you don't lift your finger from the keyboard. Oh, I see. Okay? Interesting. So you keep your finger on the keyboard, uh-huh. and then you just, like, swipe it and, like, spell okay. the word, and then and then the word will come up on on the... Well, on the word, the, where mm-hmm. the actual message would be. Okay, gotcha. and below that are okay. all the other words that possibly could be. Uh-huh. So about 95% of the time, the word will be fine, and I just go on to the next word. As soon as you lift up and go to the next word, it automatically yeah. is smart enough to know a space goes there. It knows that, like, if it should be a pronoun, it puts in the apostrophes. It is the most unbelievable technology. Interesting. Coach, I have yet to see a flaw in it so far. Saves like, all time, the... I'm not kidding you. Saves all the tremendous amount of time of lifting your finger and, of course, uh, the physical uh, exercise and trauma that it can give your fingers by lifting the fingers. Well, Coach, Coach, you don't understand what I'm saying. Apparently not. It's a hundred times faster. Okay, I could literally now type at 70 words a minute. Okay, Mm -hmm. I used to type at about 20 words a minute. I just so uh, is is this an app? Not getting the point. It's the fastest way to text. I mean, it's it's so funny because I was with my family this week, and half of them are like, "I have no idea how to do it." And like, because and another one was like, "Oh," and uh, you know, my girlfriend picks it up. She did it immediately. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, I'm a one finger typist. Yes. But I'm pretty quick with the one finger. So if you're a one finger person, supposedly this is actually pretty easy for you to pick up. Interesting. What about it? I'm a two finger. I'm a hunt and pecker, and well, I like to type. Right. I like yeah, to type as well. What's I, that? I do throw in another finger every once in a while just to show off. You know, so. <laughs> Just to throw off your Emmanuel dexterity. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. be like, hey, you know, somebody's like, why is one finger text? I'm like, no, it's more like one and a half. Yeah. You do realize all of this is going to be insignificant minutia. David Olson, our media expert, you could probably come closer to a prediction. But everything we're talking about is going to be complete insignificant minutia because it's all going to be voice activated. I'm going to guess three to five years. No, 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 no! Right now, you, mean, you just have to—they—they they have it right now, coach. You just uh, plug it into your your into your computer. It's and you not talk. quite, from what I heard, not quite perfected, but clearly, okay. 
clearly our kids today, their kids, or even the young kids today will look back and, and they'll be laughing at the generation now. We think it's pretty cool to be texting. And, and, you know, 20 years from now, they'll be looking back at us and even some of the young kids now saying, what? You mean you had to type out each letter in a message that will be archaic? No, no, Coach, you're still going to need to do the swipe thing. People are still going to need to work with their why? hands. Why? If it's voice activated, why well, would you no, need to? No, if it's voice activated, then it's out loud, and there's going to be certain situations where they're going to need to shut yeah, the app that's up. True. And, that's okay, true. Okay, so what's going to happen is then it's thought. You can actually think, and that, that's not <laughs> the final one. That, oh, boy. That might be... Uh, David Olson, give me a prediction. Voice activation where it's commonly used. And then would within you, a year, Coach. What's that? Within a, it is within a year. That soon. David, our media expert, I say I say three years. I say closer to ten. Ten? Yeah. There, I mean, there's smatterings of it, but it's before it is like widely accepted and becomes a norm, it'll be at least a decade. Kid, kids, oh, okay. High school kids different. writing a paper at home on the word processor. A decade. A decade. See, I, yeah. I think it'll be sooner. See, I miss I, I miss the whole uh, your question, Coach. I, I think they'll have it perfected in a year. Like that's I really do. They're that close to it. Well, uh, I understand uh, where Dave's coming it, from. Like, yeah, not everybody's not going to have it until at least mm-hmm. a decade. I said, yeah, that definitely. Mm-hmm. definitely. Now, now, boy, now you took a quantum leap when you go thinking, being able to take thought. And put it onto the, and I wouldn't, you know, never say never. We say that in sports a lot, big dog. We've seen some amazing things. I wouldn't doubt that in technology, but boy, that is taking a quantum leap. That would almost be scary if everything you thought was typed out. There might be, you might send some Facebook messages that you might not want sent, if you know what I mean. No, well, coach, yeah, I do definitely. Cause like with this easy to upload, uh, technology, the stuff I almost put on Facebook the other day would have been rather embarrassing. Yes. Okay, so. People would have had to do some downloading, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, I'm sure there's going to be a way for you to filter that stuff out because yeah. by then our, our minds will be working in a totally different way anyway. Yep, let's hope but so. But still, I'm sure something could be downloaded that you don't want. You, you might slip real easy. So. Yeah. <laughs> now, I, I just. But before we put this one to bed, I do want to say I do think it is possible that you could use your thoughts in order to like activate some type of machine, for the simple fact that there was a uh, there was a philosopher named Lucretius way back in the day. He was well, forget about when he was born. It was uh, right before BC, from 99 to 55 yeah. BC, he lived, and he came up with a bunch of scientific. Uh, well, they called them theories at the time. For him, they were facts. And so far, of the seven that he laid out, mm-hmm. the first three in the order that he wrote them have come true. And one of his like, one of his theories is that your thoughts are actual substance that you can touch. Ooh. Okay, I don't want to get all into that, but yeah, if you're smart enough to figure that out, like you, you actually are molecules moving around in your brain, is what mm-hmm. I'm saying, is the thought. That's pretty heavy. Okay. That's so, pretty deep, pretty heavy. I always thought Lucretius was, uh, I put him in my top ten, Pre seventeen hundred overrated people, but uh, you got me. Well, you got me doing. Like he was he was a hedonist coach. He was a who? Was good. This guy was all right. He was Epicurean. That's pretty good. God bless you. Okay, but <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? If it actually is substance, maybe it come like maybe you can actually make that as mm-hmm. an imprint onto oh. it. So the expression "mind over matter." If you listen to Lucretius, one and the same. Yes. Interesting. Interesting. Our take. Our our show has taken a. A strange turn here, Big Doug. I'm not sure if it's good or bad, but it clearly is odd. I'm not sure how we got on this topic. It was not on our written program sheet, but you never know which way we go on the two guys in a mic show. Uh, what, what's so odd about it? By giving a little bit of thought, you know, sometimes yeah. I think we need to you know, well, sit back, relax, and do that. You're, so you're under the implication, you're back in your Lucrecia's days, that odd is bad. I didn't mean odd is bad. I just, you know, strange. I think strange actually is a good thing. All of us should be strange a little bit more often. If yeah, you know, and instead of doing what everybody else is doing, if yes. that's being normal, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more, yeah, Coach. think outside the box. Thank you very much. All right, we got some uh, inside-the-box sports stuff to talk about, Big Dog. we got a hitting streak in baseball to talk about. I want to mention NFL and your favorite team, the Chicago Bears, but i got to open up the show, and I don't think you'll argue with it either, uh, with the fact that it was day one for the college football teams, our fine academic institutions across the country having their first day of football practice. Very exciting. I know you uh, went around to as many colleges as you could yesterday. Our Facebook page uh, says that you went to 31 schools yesterday. I can't believe that's true. But any early thoughts from uh, the first day of the sport you so dearly love, Big Dog Collegiate? No, no, they, they don't all open on the same day, Coach, because they don't all start at the same time, and they only get the all same right. amount of practices. Yeah, well, close enough. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, well, you just yeah, trying to stay injury free. That isn't it. You know, you know what cracks me up? These teams have three weeks before their first game. Yep. Okay, that's exactly what they get is three weeks. Okay. Well, technically not. They get 19 days because they start on the Monday. Now uh, the freshmen get three weeks because they'll start on the Friday before. They get like three days. You know, the, the freshmen come in, they acclimate to the system, how they run the practices, so that it's a lot easier when they actually have the first full day of practice, which is pretty smart. I'm glad the NCAA does it. And I remember doing that, coach, and it was, I was like, it made the first day of practice with everybody else so much easier. You really know how to run a college practice. So it was mm-hmm. pretty cool. Uh, so like the freshmen have just gone through that. Now the the you only have 19 days, which you have two days off. So you have 17 days of practices. Now in college football, you can still have two days. So that I think they could have three a week for two weeks. So basically, so you have 17 days to practice, and you can have six two a days. So you have 23 practices. But it ends up being um, you're going to have two scrimmages. So you really have 21 practices that you have to get in your whole entire uh, playbook again. But hopefully you don't have to really do that because in spring practice you should have all the players should have that. And hopefully it's just a fine-tuning and a camp going into your first game and not really uh, battles over positions or – because if it's a battle over a position, because you you do want to be able to give more reps to the guy who's going to play more and hopefully the backup is smart enough to be ready, you know, but – is this a really tough time for for college coaches? You got to get a lot in in a short period of time. If you think about it, pro teams they got six weeks before they start playing. Mm-hmm. You know, so think about it. If they're professional. They should be able to get everything in on time. It's, it's pretty funny that these guys who are nowhere near being professional have half the time to get prepared for their first game. Okay, and their first game, mind you, everybody, it actually counts. Unlike the professional. Yeah, I was going to say, not only six weeks, but they get four exhibition games. So four little practice games. The collegiate football teams get zero practice games unless you count the uh, scrimmage. So, uh, And by the way, you want to check in Talking College Football to open up the show, folks, if you're excited about uh, the season nearing, some of the teams starting their practices, 888-463-6748. We'd love to hear from you, whichever program that uh, you enjoy whichever collegiate institution you follow talk a little college football with the big dog and a coach 888-463-6748 it is a short period of time big dog really and, and correct me if i'm wrong because you've been there and done that i've done it only by observation only there's three things you got to accomplish in that short period of time one conditioning yeah you got to do all the agility and the strength and the conditioning make sure your players are conditioned two you can't just get into strategy right away you got to work on technique Oh, you oh, can't, question, can't take things time. for granted. I mean, a basic stuff, breakdown technique, be it running back, offensive line play, obviously all the defenders, you need to work on tackle. So conditioning, fundamentals, and then and then you get into your team strategy stuff, your plays and your formation. So that's a lot to do in a short period of time. Yeah, and, and Coach, you have to do it by making sure your players who play an extremely violent game that you have to be extremely in shape for, that they get ready to play that without – Getting them hurt yep. and getting them over prepared. You know, you, it's, it's such a fine line. You don't, you have to have their legs perfectly ready to play football on the day to play football. And plus, before, in those 19 days, you got to put them through, you know, heck and back in order to figure mm-hmm. out what the heck's going on. So, mm-hmm. and you got to do some team building stuff too, which again, a lot of that can be done in the off season, but well, you, you get... put, you put a bunch of people living together. You put like a, like a Samoan defensive tackle living with a punter. Yep. You know, you know what I mean? And all of a sudden, team camaraderie just happens from that. Then you got, you know, some Italian, you know, offensive lineman who brings <laughs> pasta from his mama back home, you know, and everybody's in. It ends up being a really – I, I, that is what I miss the most. I'm not kidding you, Coach. I would remember people coming to football camp. My first football camp was a freshman. I remember people like, oh, this goes so close. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, all I have to do in life for the next three weeks is play football and hang out with football players. I, I thought, I was, Coach, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I, I, the practices couldn't have been tougher. I was, like, begging for it. It was. Mm-hmm. I had a little different mentality, though. I know so. some some colleges, uh, some colleges separate the football players, and maybe some of the other athletes, too, but football, just because of its sheer quantity, they have dorms for the football players and, you know, separate living headquarters. No, even, no, no, even, no, no, that's done. That is now illegal in NCAA oh, football. Oh, it is? There's okay. no longer football dorms. Okay. Because there were, 
there were far too many girls who came up missing. And I'm not trying to make a joke out of that. Just, just drop it at that. How about that? Yeah, well, I don't think that That's was the number prime... one reason why they did, did away with them. That might have been the number two reason, I would think. Because I was just going to say, some other colleges, you know, had the, had the athletes uh, involved with the rest of the collegiate community. And I think the latter is a much more healthy. If you're looking for the well-rounded athlete, you know, they're around football players. You know, however many hours of practice during the season, it's much healthier for these guys to get out and, and, and you know, meet and get to know some other people be part of the student body. And it probably promotes a little team spirit, too, because the students get to know the players more and they can follow the team a little more closely. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but you're saying that's a rule now. See, I was not aware of that. Yeah, there's. I don't know if they can have a total athletic dorms, but I know you cannot specifically have mm-hmm. football dorms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, if, if you ever read the book about, like, the Boz, remember the Brian Bosworth book, yep. that, the autobiography? Yep. There's a bunch of... Uh, stories just about what has gone down in these all football dorms it is yeah. amazing the oklahoma program in the late 70s to mid 80s mm-hmm. they have been the most fun place to have ever played college football <laughs> coach. i don't care if they won a national championship they played for the big eight championship every single season mm-hmm. they were a powerhouse and everybody was driving beautiful cars and they were living in the football dorm which was basically a fortress i'm not kidding you like security guards at the front door like that type of stuff I, you mentioned, <laughs> I, I may have to reread that book. I think I read it back in the day, but I got a different perspective now. Big dog and a coach here in the talkzone.com. We call this semi dysfunctional show. The two guys and a mic show. Again, you want to check in. Triple eight, four, six, three, six, seven, four, eight. Big dog, you mentioned how key injuries are in injury prevention. Did you see who one of the first, if not the first major injuries of the collegiate football season was? No, I did not. What happened? He's, I'll give you a hint. He's 84 years old. Oh, oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I, you know, right. come on, Joe. That that really is bad. I felt bad. I was really hoping that Penn State would have a strong season, and and just I really wanted because you never know when it's going to happen, Coach. Yeah, hey, you Joe can't. Paul, you can't help but laugh about it a little bit. One, he's not seriously injured, but the first day of practice. Joe Pa gets run over by one of his players, ribs, side, thigh, whatever it is. He's in the hospital for observation. pelvic bone. Ooh, that's not good. If you're 84 years old, any kind of broken bone is not a good thing. Yeah, this is it's, it's just a serious coach. He's yeah. like, I'm fine. I'll be back at practice soon. And I'm like, you know, it's, it may be time. It may be well, time for yeah, – they... not, not right now. Not right now. Let him go through the season. Mm-hmm. 401, by the way, 401 collegiate victories and counting for 84-year-old Joe Paterno. Um, maybe they should assign like a walk-on player or one player to just sort of like, you know, when the bullpen is warming up in baseball, you got a guy protecting the pitcher while he's warming up. They might need to do that at practice with Joe Paterno. It'd be a good Coach, drill for one kid. Coach, they need to do it on the sidelines of the game. Remember last yes. uh, two years ago they rolled his knee up? What's yep. it, two or three? I forgot what. You know, because he can't get out of the way. Yep. You know, don't tell me that Joe Paterno, who's watching a, a game, can't figure out that a play's coming right at him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I think he knows a little bit enough about football and, and the beauty of it, where people might end up, and if he can't get out of the way, you know, Joe Paterno didn't get hit in the first 40 years of him being a coach there. You know, I don't think all of a sudden he lost his, his thought process how it works. He just can't move anymore. Mm-hmm. You remember when he almost pooped his pants at, the, at, at Ohio he, State? He was moving field? very quickly across the field at but, that point. But it still was an uncomfortable type run. Well, I guess <laughs> so because he, he was, it was pretty funny because um, um, you, he, the best way to say it is he was running with his cheeks together. Yes. Well, we've all it, been it, in that. We've all been. It, it, that's a difficult situation. We've all been there before where you – need to make an emergency pit stop, but, of course, the faster you move, the more opportunity there is for discharge. So it's a, it's a delicate situation. Joe Pye handled it quite well. You know, you know uh, I'm not kidding you, Coach. I, I have to admit, I, now, uh, I, I had never <laughs> topped out ever in a practice ever yeah. at Downers Grove North. You know what I mean? I made it a point to try to be like the like the tough guy. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden, right there to have a practice, and I know we're going to have a brutal conditioning, but we got like eight minutes to go, and all of a sudden it just hit me. I don't know what it was, but I was about to blow, you know. So I went right to the coach, my position coach, and I told him, I'm like, I'm going to, you know what, my pants. And he can see that he's like, get out of here. He's like, the la- like later, he's like, the last thing I wanted to catch our football team pooping <laughs> his pants right in the middle of practice. Okay, so I was like, you know, that's, that's, that coach's heads up right there, coach. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You don't want controversy like that going in. That, that would have just been bad for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. College football off and running. We got the NFL teams working out. I know uh, over at Notre Dame, a little bit of controversy with their star wide receiver, Michael Floyd. Uh, you can touch on that a little bit, Big Dog. He's allowed to come back after a third violation. Also over at Northwestern locally, uh, Dan Persia. After missing uh, the end of last season, is back in his first day of practice yesterday. He had the viciously torn ACL, but uh, he's back, and Northwestern hopes are pretty high. So some interesting Midwest happenings in collegiate football. Yeah, if you think about the Big Ten this year, it's as open as as I can remember yep. in years, Coach. Penn State, Ohio State, Illinois, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Iowa. Michigan State. Michigan State, seven teams that actually can say that their goal is to win the Big yeah. Ten Championship and, and this year. I'm going to give you this right now. I'm not saying they're going to win the Big Ten Championship, but the surprise team of the Big Ten this year is going to be your Purdue Boilermaker and Coach Danny Hope. Well, wouldn't uh, if you have eight teams in contention, I mean, legitimately looking at this year, I think there's a possibility that the Big Ten champion could have three losses. There could be like a four-way tie with three teams with or almost three lost teams. It could be that time. How of many? Year. Um, they play what? Nine Big Ten games? No, there's only eight. Okay. So oh, we, I, hey, we forgot to mention a team in contention. They're called Nebraska, now part of the Big Ten. Oh yeah, and they have the Big Ten championship game. So really, so, the only teams you can definitively count out: Indiana, I think, will improve, but they're not a Big Ten contender. Who else can we? We can't count anybody else out. I don't think. I, I, well, no, Minnesota, we can count out. Yeah, you're right, and maybe okay. Iowa. Uh, no, okay, those are, have we named every team? Yeah, we named every team now. Yeah, I think it's just... We named every team, so uh, Minnesota and Indiana, we definitely count out. Those are the only two. A lot of people would say Purdue as well. I'm here to tell Uh, you that... That would be one of them, just to let you know, but I'll give I'll throw you your bone. All right. I'm a a long-time Danny Hope guy. They're going to be rotating... If you're on board, that is completely wide open. I mean, you can get like a 5-3 and division winner, sneak into the championship game and end up winning the the Big Ten. It could be one of those years where it mm-hmm. might take a while to sort out who the powers end up being. Mm-hmm. Great to be talking a little college football. The polls came out last week. I think your consensus top five teams out there, Big Dog, uh, and Oklahoma, Stanford, of course, with the Andrew Luck. No, the Heis- they're putting Stanford at like 10, Coach. Okay. Stanford, I think, came out at the first poll, whatever which one it was, and I forget which one it was. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Right. They came out at eight. You got Al- Alabama out there. You got the Oregon Duck. You got Florida State. You got LSU. Those are some of your top mm-hmm. teams. Not a whole lot of surprises there. Some powerhouse teams. Oh, it seems like Oklahoma, and again, it's way early, and preseason polls mean zilch, but Oklahoma seems to be the consensus favorite, at least. Coach, my whole opinion on this is, is that preseason polls are such garbage because it ends up leading to bias as the other polls throughout the year come out from the same voters who do this voting. You see what I'm getting at? Absolutely. So I I really wish these voters, I would have no problem with ESPN and everybody else who who wants to speculate, but the actual people who do the voting, I wish they did not vote on anything. I know the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the the Harris poll, which is part of the BCS poll that they have. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't start voting on it until like the eighth week, which I like, but I wish the the writers, because if you're a writer and you're like, well, I really like uh, Stanford this year, and then maybe Stanford isn't as good as they possibly, and you should drop them, but no, you just keep them there just for the sake that you always had them, because I picked them at the beginning of the year, I have to take them now. I, I, I don't like that being played into the, the whole realm of what's going on, but I will tell you this, there is no question in my mind that if I was just picking who is the best team from last year coming back with the most talent, it's Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and it's a consensus, coach. I have no problem with them being number one. I just, I just wish the system was a, a little bit different. Yeah, yep. fair enough. Uh, talking some college football, big dog and a coach at you. A lot of teams. You're right. A lot of teams did start last week, but a bunch of teams had their first day of practice yesterday. We already mm-hmm. mentioned the first injury of the season. Penn State coach Joe Paterno, but uh, should be a great year for college football. Big dog already looking forward to it. We don't quite have that. Uh, First dip of cold air in the, uh, you know, when you can almost feel it, you can almost smell like that first mm-hmm. college football weather. No, nothing better. Yeah. Nothing better than that. That's coming in a couple weeks. Very excited. It, it's always the smell, Coach, yes. for me. It's, it's not yes. the weather because it's so funny. The first game of football could either be beautiful or it could be the, 
the hottest freaking day yes. on the planet, and you have no idea, then you realize September is still summer here in the Midwest. Yep. You know, and you're like, why and, is it 95 and brutally sunny? Yeah, and it's not the same. You go to an opening day of college football, and it's real hot out. I mean, it's fun. It's exciting. It's open day, but it's not the same. You need a little bit of that cool Christmas of the autumnal enterprise to get you totally into college football. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. My first day, my first game ever in college football, it was 101 degrees, and we were yeah. playing Quincy, Illinois, and we played in yeah. that ball. Yeah. I mean, you play, and it's still fun. You're still excited. But uh, just like baseball in the spring sucks. Mm-hmm. Because baseball is not a cold-weather sport. You love baseball. You're excited about it. But it's just not a cold-weather sport. Same thing applies to football. Not that I want the games being played, you know, 10 below zero in a snowstorm. But uh, you got to get that cool, crisp air going. Now, Big Dog, last year you and me, we tried to get a couple of listeners to go with us. We talked about going to a Northern Illinois game. We talked about going to a Northwestern game. And the weeks passed, and we never did it. This year we have to commitment to excellence we got to make the commitment you and me have okay. to make it I, I have not been to a college football game with you that record needs to end as of this season okay uh then if we're going to do it coach yes sir uh just just to let you know uh, soon i'm going to new york okay and then after that uh i'm going to cancun okay cancun? and then after that i'm going to san francisco wow okay and then it'll be november any, you, do you care to divulge more detail? Is this business oriented, vacation, pleasure? What's going on here? Uh, I'm trying to take over the world, coach. So <laughs> I figure if I'm already on the FBI watch list, I'll let them know that. Okay. Uh, so nah. they've been listening every day. All of a sudden, the guy gets the new swipe application on his phone machine and he's ready to take over the world, huh? Do you realize I'm, I now can communicate 3.5 times faster than I used to? Do you realize how much more communication that could be with yeah, people? I'm not how sure. Much water, with... How much more. Output I could be actually now I might actually decide to write a blog and stuff because instead of being able to not keep up with my thoughts, my fingers can now keep up with my brain. Interesting. With you being able to write three times point three point five times more, that could be a good thing. It could also be a bad thing. I've got mixed feelings about that. By the I way, know, as the a pe- side, the people at Penthouse Letters aren't going to be happy about it. Though. <laughs> As a side note, David Olson, our producer, you might want to take note, I do smell something burning. So if you could look outside just to make sure that uh, – no, I'm serious. I feel like we might – what's what's going on? They're fixing the roof. Ah. Okay. Just wanted to make no, sure. You, you notice the bucket over there that, you know, that's been okay. dripping for two or three weeks. Just there. wanted to make Finally you know, taking care of the problem. With the headphones on and Big Dog, you know, mouthing away, or I might have missed a fire alarm. I don't want this to be the final show. Yes, Dog. Are they painting it white, David Olson? <laughs> Not exactly sure what they're doing, but there are like 15 of them up there. You see, Coach laughs at me because you know, he's totally behind in the times. So you paint roofs white, Coach. They reflect the, the well, light back up in the air and that you you can keep your your business about five yeah. degrees cooler, believe it or not. Actually, quite the con- uh, quite the con- on contraire, Pierre. Okay. I am actually more up on it than you think. Think. Really? And I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna take I'm you. Li- um, thank you very much. I'm gonna take you a little step further because ideally, in the winter, you would want. Now, help me out here. In the summer, you'd, you'd want, want it black in the winter. You'd black, black in the winter, color. white in the summer. I believe technology is coming around where they might be able to get a roof that actually changes darkness, lightness. The ultimate green technology uh, when you're talking roofing. Very exciting. No, that subject. would be beautiful. You know, actually, the ultimate green technology would be to put sod on your roof, and that's no joke. Sod? Sod, as okay. in, like, put grass on your roof. You put that on your roof, you never have to worry about it. You have to build your house at a certain angle, and it's basically faced almost uh, directly south. Okay, Coach, it's almost faced directly south. I'm mm-hmm. not exactly sure. I, I wouldn't actually build a house without actually investigating it first. <laughs> and... And if you put grass on the top of it, you build it with the right, you, your cows will stay the same exact constant temperature basically all year that, long. That I've never heard. Would you, would you go natural turf or artificial grass? Uh, well, you have to go with the, the, the real stuff, Coach, okay. by the way. All right. So you and have to go up there and like. Built this way, they're gorgeous. They're unbelievably beautiful. It's, it's, it's really, they're really cool looking. Who, who would go on the roof? You see, you basically have to mow your roof. No, you don't have to. Oh, you let it grow? Yeah, you let it grow. Okay. <laughs> I got enough time trying to get my kid to mow the lawn, let alone go up on top of the roof and mow that. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, that would be it. That would definitely be yeah, it. Yeah. Hey, make sure you get the edges. <laughs> <laughs> you build it, yeah. You build it like this, and you never have. To, you'll never have an energy bill again the rest of your life. Your only energy bill would be for what you uh-huh. uh, actually like use. But at that point, you would just have a windmill on the side of your house. 
can afford it, then you can be totally self-sustained and never mm-hmm. have to deal with another human being ever, except the tax man. But yeah. if you shelter yourself, then they'll leave you alone. Now, how many shows, folks? Just so you know, I'm a big, big fan of yours, Big Dog. Not only the fact because you're a passionate sports fan, you got so many other uh, avenues that you can go into. 33 minutes into the show, how many other sports shows can say they got the philosophy of uh, was it Lucretius? Lucretius, coach. You got to read it. He writes a book called On the Nature of the Universe. If you read it in Italian, it's the poem, and it is beautiful. I've had an Italian person read it to me. The philosophy of Lucretius, breaking down offensive line play, breaking down uh, a little first day of college football practice, and giving you the latest and greatest on green technology when it comes to rooftops. That, in 33 minutes, Big Doug, that's a hell of an impressive performance. You know, that ain't the latest and greatest. That's been going around around the world since about mankind has been here, Coach, just to let you know. Okay. But now people are going back to it the last, like, 20 years. As a matter of fact, I'm surprised you don't know this, but uh, former Mayor Daly here in the city of Chicago, very honest and upstanding man, if you didn't know, Coach. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Oh, he, yes. Uh, he uh, had uh, there was he basically had the Chicago initiative to start having buildings built with, roof, with grass rooftops because it basically drops the energy, uh, what, the energy efficiency of the building goes way through the roof, and that way you don't have to use as much, and it really takes uh, buildings off the grid, which really mm-hmm. helps, because eventually we're not going to have enough power to supply it to everybody, especially if you live in the northern suburbs. So if you okay. live in the northern suburbs, building one of these homes could probably make you a fortune, especially if you started a business like that, and that's what you did. Because, you know, those people, they're, they're trendy up there, Coach. Mm-hmm. You get this real, like, rustic-looking, beautiful home that's for, like, a million that you never have to have another energy bill for the rest of your life. Nice. Nice. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Any, anybody that would like transcripts, by the way, at today's show, they can write to our producer, David Olson. And we will send them to you free. The Big Dog's Words of Wisdom here, folks. You can email us at Mike2Guys at AOL.com. Very nicely done, Big Dog. Edu- educational, if not informational. That's our two guys in a mic show. But you know, the, the city has actually gone around and done this. They're trying to promote, like those businesses pay no taxes uh-huh. in the city that actually sell the side rooftops. So they're encouraging. Oh, big time they are here okay. in the city. Well, and, well they, 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 I guess they're going to have to because, well, how many millions of dollars did the did the latest Maggie Daly project get okayed for four days before uh, he left office? Yeah. Even though the contract wasn't up for another, like, five months? Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That, you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm totally afraid of what Rahm Emanuel is going to do in police of the city, but I will say this. I don't agree with his policies, but if you see at least an honest man, and he actually doesn't uh, hold the city, uh, if he's that 1% of people who's just, like, really so idealistic and power-hungry that, uh, that, they're, you know, they, that they actually won't sell their seat, mm-hmm. I, would, I would almost be happier for that. Coach. I get the really guy, sure you know, so far, I get the guy at A-plus. He's doing great stuff, and, uh, you know, he's getting rid of In a very undramatic way, he's uh, just going through, you know, area after area, department after department, uh, where there's been some waste on excused spending, cutting it, cutting it out, and he's doing it in an undramatic way. But he's saying, sort of, you know what? It reminds me a little bit, and I don't want to get too Chicago based here because we are a international show. But it reminds well, no, but, me. But Chicago is a city that has been corrupt yes. and has bankrupted the city. So people all around the world would want to hear the okay. story of our city, coach. I Fair enough. That. Fair enough. Would you? Would you? Would you go with me in this comparison? Uh, Rahm Emanuel has dealt early on. Now it's early. We don't want to, you know, it might just be an early hitting streak and then he's going to fall back. But he is very similar to what uh, our favorite guy, a state's attorney, United States attorney, Pat Fitzgerald, has done. Well, he, let's, let's, let's find out a little bit more about, about uh, Rahm Emanuel. Yeah. But, but, but the early on, they, they've both seen things basically as simple as it put that are wrong. And you know what? And that have been accepted for many, many years. And, and no. We're not going to accept it. It's wrong. We're going to change it, and we're not going to take five years to change it. We're going to do it now. That seems to be the way Fitzgerald went about his business, and Rahm Emanuel doing the same thing. Yeah, well, Rahm Emanuel has to do it now because if he does it right when he gets in the office, he can say, look at how bad Daly was and how bad Daly left it. So he has to do that now, like clean up office. So it could be truly his layer. You know what I mean? He, he can't well, have all these daily factions still stuck in blood off of the city if he's going to come in here and take control of it. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Well, maybe. I don't know if he had. I think it's his best avenue. I don't think he had to. He could have taken a little bit slower approach and maybe accomplished a little bit less. I think it's the the best approach, but I don't don't know that he had to do it that way. 
But well, it, for uh, I think for his image, it really helps. And and like you can really say, oh, the city was in bad shape. Look at all the stuff that I did. Now look at the turnaround that's going to mm-hmm. happen. So right, and if well. there is, then he can always say like, well. Look at what I started with. I had to clean all this house. It takes a while for mm-hmm. my stuff to work. So. Yeah, and he's been very careful not to insult Mayor Daly either, even though subtly through all the changes he is. And I'm going to be an utmost idealist, Big Dog, and say that he's not, hopefully not doing it primarily for image, hopefully. And I'm being probably unrealistically idealistic here. Hopefully he's doing it not for image, but, hey, to help the people of the city to help our budget to get things back, uh, you know, again, simple right from wrong. This is wrong, way too much spending. Let's turn a wrong into a right. Yeah, so, uh, well, you know, him and Obama had their differences in the left. You know, maybe there's, yep. you know, maybe uh, uh, maybe he's part of that 1% that really wants to do something good. Yeah. So, and Doubtful. I really believe 1% of politicians are good out there. The other, I, I truly believe 99% are crook right. and poor, power-hungry people that want to control other people's lives mm-hmm. and that's what they get off on it and it, it has nothing to do with money at that part at that point one percent huh? so. I, I, my ratings are at 2.3 percent but you know the same basically the same thing okay yeah i heard one uh, i think it was on bill maher's show where one of the guests brought up an interesting point that i hadn't really thought of talking about part of the problem with politics is the politicians the congressmen the senators they're too much alike and he said you look at their education and you look at their background, you read down the list, and it, law, 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 business, law, 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 teacher, law, law. And his point was, where, where is our representation from the the cross-section of America? Where are the businessmen? Where are the teachers? Where are the, the, you know, the chemists? Where are the policemen? So that really the people making the policies are not necessarily a cross-section of the people they're representing. I thought it was a good point. Coach, I... If you're a lawyer out there hearing this, I'm sorry, excuse me, but I've been around the lawyers, and a lot of them are some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life, but they were smart enough to figure out how to pass the bar exam. The world is full of educated derelicts. My my ex-wife was brilliant, so I'm not putting her, lumping in her in that, just saying that, okay? So, but a lot, and she would say to me all the time, she's like, these are some of the dumbest people I've ever met in my life, but they figured out how to pass the bar exam. You know, some people could do that. You know, you dedicate like three years of your life, and and now they end up being like schemers and all this other stuff. We do have far too many lawyers in the world, and the fact I did not yeah. really realize that I didn't realize how many lawyers were actually politicians, and that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like and those are the people that are making policies, and ideally, if you got a group of people, I guess what are the politicians supposed to do? They're supposed to represent you. Well, one would argue we don't really have a representative well, well, representation well, when it's all lawyers. That goes to the mindset, Coach. Okay. In, the engineers, I know I have a lot of engineers in my family, brilliant people, Coach. They should be running this country. Yes. Because you hear them talk about our policies and how it doesn't make sense for the businesses that they run. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just like, wow. Okay. And they're like, I'm going to have to let people go. They explain why they have to because of these. And it's just mind boggling. But see, here's the difference. If you're a chemist or if you're an engineer or an architect, you don't want to control other people's lives. You want to build things. You want to create things. You want to, like, uh, invest something. Okay, so lawyers, their whole life has been based upon, oh, how can I use law to get better off in life? That's how can I use this? How can I work the system to either make money or control people? That's all what it's about, Coach. It's a mentality. That's why lawyers have such a bad reputation for doing slimy things because think about the basis, the premise of their whole occupation. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay, you want to be a coach. You want to, uh, like, that's, that's your thing, coach. You, you want to teach people your games that you love. You want to help people create, you know, and, uh, you know, you create a bond with team. You learn how to be a good teammate. You learn how to be a good citizen. You learn how to play the game. That's your mentality, coach. That's why I, sometimes when I get angry at you because, uh, like, you sometimes see the world as you were like, oh, this, we're all really doing the right thing. We're all doing it well. When I, our policymakers, I think, are just trying to always just get over. Laws are passed not to help the country. It's to make somebody a fortune. Like, oh, this company will make $100 billion right now if we pass this law. Oh, guess what? Well, those, that company will make sure that they pay enough money to the right people uh, to make that $100 billion. And trust me, if you take out a billion and pass it around to, like, the right people in Washington, you'll get a bill passed. Mm-hmm. Well put, my friend.
Well put. Big dog uh, on a roll today, ladies and gentlemen. We want to join in on the conversation. Topics across the uh, gamut of American public syndromium here. 888-463-6748, the phone number you want to check in. Again, 888 Dial it up, user-friendly sports talk radio. Big dog, real quick, we got to get to some baseball news with your approval, of course. I would love to talk some baseball right now, Coach. Uh, we got to mention one thing that we have not mentioned, uh, and, and I feel bad about it because his hitting streak is up to 29 games now, but yeah. Dan Ugla, the Atlanta Braves beat Florida yesterday 8-5. to Dan Ugla, a 29-game hitting streak. He got, what, an infield single yesterday to keep the streak alive. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad. That was the one baseball story I wanted to talk about. There's a, a bunch of great stories, but this was the one. I always say 28, it becomes a great streak. Because you're halfway to DiMaggio. Yep. And, Coach, there have been less 28-game hitting streaks than 50 home run seasons. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's quite a feat to do that. The 28-game hitting streak is getting it done. And we've had a lot of players approach it this year. This year has been a year of, like, the 20-game hitting streak. I yep. can't remember as many as we've had this year. Because Petroya, uh, Freddie Freeman, um, there was a... Uh, uh, Andre, yeah, Andre Ethier. Ethier, yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's another one that we're missing. Uh, well, besides uh, Emilio Bonifacio. Okay, so there, and there may be another one. So there's been a lot of 20-game hitting streaks this year. Think about how bad Dan Ugla was for the first yep. to over half of the season, the first, like, 95 games. The only player worse than baseball was Adam Dunn, and he was close to Adam Dunn. His, think about it, his batting average is only up to about 230 right now, and he's got a 29-game hitting streak. That's how bad he was, Coach. And he's hitting the ball to the ballpark, too. He's got 22 home runs. He's hit, he's hit at least... He's hit at least these at least fourteen since the All Star break. So most of those have been during the streak too. So and the wild card um, contending Atlanta Braves that they've needed that streak because what Chipper Jones has been injured on and off. Uh, Jason Hayward, their rookie sensation from last year, has basically gone uh, pr- pretty much in the tank. He hasn't hit at all the last month and a half. And they had another player injured too. Help me out. Well, uh, Martin Prado was hurt for a while. He's back in the lineup though. But yeah. they're, they're at Freddie Freeman, the, the the rookie first baseman coach. Yep. He, he's the rookie of the year so far in the National League. So I, I know we have a lot of Darwin Barney uh, fans out there, and I, I love him too. But Starlin Castro. Well, Starlin Castro was a rookie last year. Oh, he was. Yes. Remember, hmm. he came up in May. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I love Darwin Barney, but if you compare. If that's Freddie Freeman's closest contender for Rookie of the Year, Freddie Freeman gets the award. And, again, I love Darwin Barney's a player, but he's not quite Rookie of the Year material just yet. Yeah, Freddie Freeman, he's almost up to 300. He's got about 18 homers. And, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, Coach, the guy's got like 75 RBIs as a rookie. Yeah, and he can field. He's, yeah, not, yeah. Not, he's got some pretty good agility uh, for a first baseman. He can field a little bit, too. Uh, Pittsburgh Pirates broke their, uh, speaking of streaks, it was a streak of the other kind, the negative kind, big dog, kind of sad to see, but the Pirates, 10 losses in a row. They fell way behind. A great story all season long. They hit a 10-game losing streak. They did end it yesterday. They finally beat the Giants 5 to nothing. Yeah, I, I really don't know if they're going to be able to get back in it, Coach. Yep. I, I hope they do. But you know, looking at that team, I watched. I watched the whole game. Andrew McCutcheon had another great game for them. They're just not deep enough to compete. They've got the bullpen, which is just too bad. They got. They have the Yankees have the best bullpen in, in baseball right now. But you know, the Pirates, I think, would switch. The Red Sox would switch their bullpen with the Pirates immediately if they could. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a couple really good teams. The Phillies would switch with the Pirates in a heartbeat right now because you never know what you're going to get with Ryan Madsen. So. It's, yeah. it's funny that that's what you need to win a World Series, and they have it. But One of the problems with the Pirates uh, when they hit their losing streak is the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals, the two other teams, both of them got hot. So uh, it really it added insult mm-hmm. to the wound, a little salt to the wound, I should say, to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So they're, what, about seven, eight games back now? Uh, that would be about right, Coach. Yeah. Yeah. They're, the, they're definitely they're about a week back, and they're a week back behind two teams. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be really difficult for them to catch. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, I think the the Cardinals and the Brewers play a lot of games against each other too, which means that like the Pirates would need them to split those games perfectly yeah. in order to get back. You know, that's probably not going to happen. One of those teams is they've got like twelve games remaining or nine games remaining. The Pirates and the, I mean the 
Little, of course, uh, and the Cardinals. A little bit of testiness between the two teams, too, as they had a little beanball battle. Albert Pools uh-huh. getting one near the noggin, and then uh, the Cardinals responded with Ryan Braun. So that could be a interesting rivalry to watch if, in fact, they play that many games. Coach, you know, I'm such a diehard baseball fan that I, I'll watch those games, even though I'm a diehard Cubs fan. But, you know, like, watching the Cardinals play the Brewers for the division title, you know, even though it's going to be great, because, I mean, nine more games during the last five weeks of the season or six weeks of the season, that, that's a lot of games. Mm-hmm. You know, compacted in the fact that just like you said, uh, you know, the, there was some some pitches up and in. There was a pitch that hit Braun right in the back. So uh, that's going to be an interesting couple games on the on the on the stretch run. What about the Cincinnati Reds? One team we're not talking about. They uh, get beaten by Colorado ten to seven yesterday. Uh, you think they're done? And let me ask you this: If you do think they're done, is Dusty Baker in trouble once again with a different team? I, I don't know if Dusty Baker was really the problem this year. He has nothing but young pitching. And you can say, oh, he didn't handle the pitching well enough or whatever. But, I, I mean, come on. I mean, the oldest pitcher in the rotation is Johnny Qu- oh, No, I'm sorry, it's Bronson Arroyo. But do you really – Bronson Arroyo is the number five starter. He, he's one of those guys, Coach, that I know you love this term, and you know he eats innings. That's all Bronson Arroyo does. He eats innings as he goes 12 and 16. Okay, <laughs> and then everybody else is Johnny Cueto, who's like 24. Okay, and then Mike Leake, who'd never even went to the minor leagues. You know, this guy's pitching, you know, he's now a year into being a, a major leaguer. Travis Wood, he's 22 years old, so I, you can't blame Dusty Baker on this. But, I mean, I, I'm not a big Dusty Baker fan, but he has mm-hmm. no reason to lose his job for the reason this team has performed this way this year. Is he the re- Drew Stubbs, the fastest player in the National League outside of Andrew McCutcheon, okay, and he strikes out 150 times already this season. That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. You know, so... Uh, sometimes those guys just have to perform. And do you blame the manager every time? Last year he was a he was awesome. So I'm, I'm getting the rodeo sign signal from David O. So we got to wrap up earlier today because of the construction. Is that the deal? Oh, the building's on fire. The building is in fact on fire, big dog. And we may have to exit. So we got to wrap. All right, hey dog. We will talk to you tomorrow. I apologize about cutting it short. And uh, hope. I will be talking to you tomorrow. I don't know if I'll be talking to you from the hospital or from our studio, but hopefully I'll be talking. Run, you fool. Run for your life. Talkzone.com. Two guys and a mic. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow, I hope. Run.